the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and as always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be joined by a couple of people today, starting off with the magnificent, somewhat unfrozen Chris Spencer. How are we doing, Chris? It's um, Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of lyrics from a song from Frozen, and I'm kind of drawing a blank. Sorry, I'm awesome. It, yeah, all is good. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to see you've let it go over Christmas. Um, and I'm now going to head over and introduce the ever-splendid and ever-magnificent Emma Cottington. How are we doing, Emma? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Although in some sort of Christmas haze, I think. We'll see Christmas haze or slight hangover? Could be a mix of Um, So I'm going to start off by something that I've given you a warning of about 15 seconds about, and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves in 10 words or less. Uh, Do you want to go first, Chris? Um, I am the bloke that turns up and talks about instructor stuff. I think that was 11. The bloke that turned up and talked about instructor. Oh, no, 10. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. That's my maths. On the, at the end of the year, maths. And, and Emma, do you want to go for it? Ten words or less. I'm Emma, driving instructor and learner driver author. That'll do for me. Excellent. <laughs> so we are joined by two excellent people. And today we are going to be reviewing 2021, the year that was and the year that contained pretty much a bit of everything. So um, I think the first thing I want to ask you guys, because I get a slight sense that, and partly because I've written the topics, but a slight sense that we're going to be covering some negative stuff throughout this show, some stuff that we're not overly joyed about. So I'm going to throw out and I'm going to ask for some of your personal and or professional highlights of the year. And uh, and let's go for you first, Emma. What, what have you enjoyed about this year? What's been great? Um, do you know what? I, I, am, I am a very take a negative and take it for a positive person. So... You know, I look at the year, I look at it, I think, how the hell did we get through that? Like, you, when you look back at it and you, you know, you sat right down on a piece of paper and you think, what, what on earth? If somebody had given me that piece of paper at the beginning of the year and said, this is the crap that you're going to go through this year, I'd have gone, nah, I can't do that. I can't get through that. Um, you know, it's only when you, you get to the end of it and you look back and you think, wow, we did. We, we did do that. Um, so for me, you know, it, it was about taking... A very negative situation in 10 minutes positive. So I created the Learning Dialogue book at the beginning of this year um, and I managed to get it from literally one word on a piece of A4 to being published um, online through Amazon and in bookstores within four months. Um, and, and that was from the lockdown at, at the beginning of the year. And if I hadn't had that lockdown in that time, I'd not sure it would be where it is now because I wouldn't have the time to do it. So, no, that's my highlight. That's my biggest highlight. I think that's awesome. I think that there's that old phrase, isn't there? Um, everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. And I yeah. think that's a good way to look at the year. Just because something's not great now doesn't mean that tomorrow or three months or two years' time, it's not going to be awesome. So I think sometimes just surviving the year and getting through all the shit is is enough. But also regarding your learner driver logbook, that's something that I've introduced to my students. Now, admittedly, and I'm sure you found this, it's not the easiest of sales to some of them. It's not right for everyone. But yeah, the people that have used it have loved it. And uh, a little bit of an exclusive for you here. 
um, over in the uh, the Instructor Podcast Facebook group, we're going to be doing a book club soon where I'll be speaking to authors about ADI-relevant books. And the first person joining me is going to be the splendid Emma Cotton talking about the Learner Driver Logbook. So very much looking forward to kicking that off in January. Uh, so I'm going to throw over to you, Chris. What what been your highlights of the year? I think Emma's hit the nail on the head, hasn't she? It's been one of those years where it's blown everything apart and it's become about personal development, personal achievement, personal goals, and everybody had that awesome opportunity to do something with it, um, albeit choose to do nothing, but there was a choice. Um, and for me, it was, you know, my, my car went back early lockdown and I decided not to get another one. And now I'm spending lots of time with people telling me I'm not a driving instructor because I don't have a car. Um, but I'm exclusively in the times that I'm not doing other stuff, um, doing theory. So, you know, that for me, there's been some awesome stuff on that side of things, being able to work with, uh, people like, um, Annie Winterburn and develop theory side of things. Uh, Terry yourself, you know, the, with the five minute, um, theory and, and drawing out the theory in the industry that wasn't there before. So I think we've had a real chance to to hit a reset button, and for me, I've you know it's it's highlighted the fact that we don't need DVSA; we can all do it ourselves. If everybody pulled together all of that inspiration, we'd be, you know, we'd be hitting the ground running. So I think there's lots of stuff that's not come out yet. You know, people have been working on it, but they haven't had time to shout because they're working too hard. So for that's you know, I, I just love that that's been going. I've been sitting back enjoying it seeing what everyone else has been up to. And, um, you know, I've, yeah, I, I've, I've managed to reinvent, I suppose. Still working hard at it, but a bit of reinvention. I think, again, you make a good point there about um, not relying on the DVSA, and I think that's something that, that happened to me, and it, I think it's happened to a lot of people. It's made a lot of people realise they're running a business, even if, it, just like me, it's just just you and your car, just a one-man band. It's still your business, and I think a lot of us were guilty of almost treating it as if you're employed by the DVSA and, and just following their lead. And I think it's really made a lot of people take a look and think, actually, I need to get my house in order. I need to get this right so that if, not necessarily this happens again, but if something happens again, I'm not relying upon instructions from above, I'm actually able to work this stuff out for myself, and that could be. Uh, contacting other instructors it could be using the DITC or an association um, or whatever but still figuring out for yourself and I think that that, that's actually a bit of a personal highlight for me probably tying over into uh, 2020 god it's been a long time this on it probably tying over into 2020 as well that one for me but but yeah and the other one for me um, there's obviously a couple of fairly obvious ones Uh, I I released the, the five minute theory podcast back at the start of the year um, and then I released the Instructor Podcast, and, and they've obviously both grown from, from strength to strength. And I'd probably say they're, uh, in terms of, of the industry, they're my personal highlights. I've got a couple of others um, away from driving that I won't go into now. But, but yeah, I think that it's important to – I hope anyone listening takes a step back and actually looks at their highlights from the year, even if it's as simple as still being here 
I think we underestimate that sometimes. And uh, and one of the other things I'm going to mention is on the Instructor Podcast group that I started, I started putting up the weekend wins thread. So every Saturday I'd put up the, the thread and, you know, what have you achieved this week? And it's been really nice seeing the different things that people have posted there. Some people have just said, you know, I have just got through the week. I've had all this stress and I managed to get through it. Others have gone and talk, spoke about the actual success they've achieved on a, a specific thing. And that's something I'm definitely going to keep going forward into 2022 because that's just awesome to read. So even in a year that, that, that has been really tough, there has been a lot of highlights there, even if they're more individual than um, community-based. But let's, let's, let's have a look at the year. So right back in January, on January the 4th, I believe it was, we went into another lockdown. Uh, my personal take on this was I, I came out of self-isolation on the 28th of December, and then, uh, and then six days later, went into a lockdown. Um, and then that ended, I think, I didn't write the date down, actually, but it was in April, it was around about April the 12th, I believe. Um, so, yeah, so we had those sort of January, February, March and April in lockdown. So we'll start with you, Chris. How did how did that affect you and your business slash businesses? And, uh, and and personally, just throw the floor open to you with that. It, it was a weird bit because everybody had figured out lockdown by then. Um, people knew they got into the routine. They knew what they were doing. And my you know my my previous experience was was helping other people through it. And you know it, it became at that point it became mental health based. Um, it became people who were saying, "I can't do this again." Um, and you can, and we did, and. If necessary, we will again. Um, but it it got harder. It, it was almost like um, if you're going out for a run, which obviously I do regularly, um, and you have to stop getting restarted again um, is is you know mentally so much harder than keeping going. And I think that was that was what was kicking in at the beginning of the year was was this feeling of you know we we felt like we it was almost a false start and you know we we'd lost a bit of that momentum because of it and and people were really really struggling on that um, but then they they did it and they got it done um, and they took a slightly different strategy with it there was you know it wasn't quite so nice as in the summer was it um, so you know we we kind of. And I think instructors are quite good at having a bad January because of weather and such. Um, you know, it's it's not unheard of for us. Um, but yeah, it, it became I think it became a bit more militant as well. People were were questioning the rules and the pseudo rules from DBSA. Um, what's interesting now is that they're they're not so pseudo. Um, we've got our name in print. Whether we'll regret that later, we'll find out. But um, I, I think yeah, it was it was that mental battle at that point. It's the second half of the marathon. I understand because I'm never going to do one. I know that you don't teach, uh, or you're not a driving instructor anymore. And you teach theory and so on. But you you run the driving school, or you're part of a company that runs the driving school, and you run the DITC. How did that affect you? So obviously you weren't allowed to work with the driving school, but how did you manage that? How did you keep the spirits up of your instructors? And obviously you had the the DITC to deal with as well. I it became about community, and and yeah, it became about being there. Um, some people wanted to keep their heads down, and we recognised that and 
kept out of it and they knew we were here if we needed them other people needed a weekly you know or daily contact um or when questions came up we we fielded it you know it, it was about being informed about knowing what what you could and couldn't do and what overrode all of that and I, I think it's still going on at the moment individuals making individual decisions based on their own rights and wrongs you know their own values and being the one that kind of went, I'm not getting back in the car, that made it quite difficult for me to then make judgments because I was starting from a different perspective. Um, it sometimes helped. It gave people permission to do the same, which I think was was helpful and it was interesting from, from that perspective. But, you know, it, it was... What it showed was how well people got on. They were talking between themselves. They weren't coming to us all the time. And you know, when, when people are out working, it was an important call. They'd phone us and ask us a question. But actually, they were talking between themselves and going, what do you think? You know, what's your opinion? And I think, long term, that's going to have strengthened the relationships in the driving school. Whether the driving school suffers for it, we know that the industry you know, is grown off of instructors not having power. Um, I think you know that when you look at it all the way through, it's 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 you know once once you once people start thinking, there's always that worry that they're going to go independent, and I think it's now down to schools to step up and address that, because you should be a good driving school with good instructors, not a good driving school with instructors that aren't able to go out on their own, um, and and you know I say that in a really positive way. And I don't think that it's a bad thing to be with a school. I think schools need to step up. So, yes. So you do you do make some really good points there. And I want to just touch on a couple because I think that's that's key. You mentioned about the um, uh, driving schools almost having to step up. I had not thought of it that way before, but I think that we hear a lot of almost horror stories around driving schools and around some of the franchises. And I think that's going to potentially filter out some of the bad ones in the same way it's potentially filtering out some of the bad instructors it's filtering out some of the bad driving schools as well so that you know there's there's positives in this the the other thing i just want to mention before i move over to, to emma is you know looking at your screen now chris we can see balloons we can see streamers and stuff i just want to clarify was there cheese and wine at this party was it work related <laughs> was it social it, it was a five-year-old birthday party so obviously there was wine involved. Yeah. Um, uh, it was two days before Christmas because we, we planned it so well. Um, and uh, it was it was thoroughly enjoyed with robots and um, what else did we have? Uh, and there's paint involved as well. So, yeah, it, for me, Christmas doesn't start until the 24th because I'm 10 years ex-retail. So I did a 72-day week before Christmas anyway. Um, and uh, and now we do the birthday and then we start focusing on Christmas. So it's my excuse for getting crap presents for everyone. <laughs> well, uh, I will just clarify that with Dominic Raab just to make sure that's all above board. But we'll go on from there. Um, I do just want to take a moment to thank you both personally for having driving schools that don't have acronyms in them, which is making my life easier today. Uh, but I, I'm going to throw the same... It's no, don't. It's just better driving. That, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going to throw the same question over to you, Emma, because I know that uh, you mentioned before about doing your, um, your uh, learner driver logbook 
of a lockdown, uh, but I'd be intrigued to know how it affected you in other ways. You know, you you run a, a driving school as well. How did it affect that? How did it affect you personally? I know that you took the positive from it with the book, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I'm going to start off where, where Chris finished, really. Um, you know, what he was saying about driving instructors thinking, right, I can, I can do this on my own now and leaving driving schools and things like that. And it's actually been the opposite effect for me this year. I've actually had two people join me this year. Um, and I'm not from, from me necessarily putting it out there that I'm looking for driving instructors or anything like that, but there was two local instructors that I kind of kept most like more so in touch during that lockdown period. So when we came out of it, they actually approached me and said, can I be a part of your driving school? And it, and it wasn't from a, a position of wanting work or needing work. You know, we all came out of it fairly relatively busy. You know, there wasn't a driving instructor out there that wasn't saying, oh my God, what do I do with all this work? They came because they wanted a community and they wanted a team and they wanted, they didn't want to be on their own. You know, so... I think for everybody who, who, who we have lost, who was like, you know what, I, I think I can do this on my own now, I actually gained. So, you know, I think there was that side of it as well, um, because people didn't want to be on their, their own. I'd say what Chris touched on um, with regards to community, and I think because we did become closer as a community with those around us at the time that we would normally just give away to or see at the test centre before the lockdown, um, we we kind of got to know each other a little bit more and, and you know, we became closer and more, more of a team. Um, so I actually gained instructors and um, five school grew this year. Um, I only actually started, I've been a driving instructor for 12 years and I only actually started my own driving school in the February of 2020. Talk about belting driving. <laughs> uh, and then we locked down in March. So, um, the driving school itself is virtually two years old, and out of that two years, we spent nine months of it in lockdown, um, and it's great. So, you know, it's, I think it, it was just about keeping yourself out there and not sort of sitting back and, and thinking, right, I'm in lockdown, I'm just going to sit here and eat cheese and get fat. <laughs> I'm going to do something with it. Um, and... I think the biggest thing, when, when they announced that third lockdown for that January, for me, the biggest thing was, I cannot do homeschool again. I just can't do it. I can't. Somebody in this house, is, is, something's going to happen to some of us, <laughs> because I just can't do that again. You know, I've got a 14-year-old, she's doing high school work. She's, she's looking at me, mum can help me with this question, and she's saying the question, and I'm like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like, I haven't got a clue, I can't help you with that. And then I've got um, a nine-year-old who, you know, the, the 14-year-old pretty much got on with it herself. But then the nine-year-old, he's like, needs me to sat right next to him. Because if I wasn't sat right next to him doing it, he's drawing on the wall or something. You know, so it's like, so that, I went into this, and I promised myself, if there was another lockdown, I would write in this book. That was what I was doing. So, but the reality of it was that I had all the gumption to do it, but then I'm thinking, well, I've still got to balance homeschool and I've still got to do this. My husband had been at home for the previous lockdowns, and then this third one, they changed some of the rules around uh, construction and manufacturing and stuff. So whereas he hadn't been classed as a key worker in the first lockdowns, 
he was classed as a key worker in that final one at the beginning of this year. So he was at work. So I'd done two where he was at home too. So it was a bit easier. And then that one in January, he was at work. And I'm now homeschooling two kids on my own. And also giving myself this task of writing this book. And um, anybody who knows me, it's once I've got something in my head, that's it, I'm doing it. And, and I get really frustrated with myself if it doesn't go that way. Um, so this last lockdown, from a mental health point of view, really taught me that it's actually okay to do nothing sometimes. Like, I'm terrible at if I'm doing nothing. I'm sat there thinking what I should be doing. And I'm starting to feel guilty about, well, there must be something that I, I should be doing right now because I, I can never not do anything. It's always got to be something. Um, so this lockdown really sort of taught me that it's actually okay to do nothing. And I kind of carried that on throughout the year where I'll say to myself, I'm going to have a day here or I'm going to have a day there where I'm, I'm just going to do nothing. <laughs> I'm just going to do nothing. I'm not going to set any plans for the day. If something happens, something happens, but... I'm not going to kind of put any guilt or stress on myself anymore. Um, so that was a positive. And obviously, I, I did actually finally get the book written, as stressful as that was. And I went to the kids on my own as well, but it, it got done. So, yeah, that was my lockdown. Does does that doing nothing still scare you slightly? Because it does yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I needed some reassurance, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I, I'm a very, I'm a, a list person. I have a list for lists to go on. Um you know, and if I've not got anything on the list, I start to panic and think, well, there should be something on the list. Why is there nothing on the list? And what should I be doing? And or I start to look at other people and think, well, they're doing something. So if they're doing something, why aren't I doing something? <laughs> so it's pretty ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm getting better. I am getting better at it. It's it's an interesting one that because I, I'm the same, the whole doing nothing thing scares me. Um and like it's almost like you said the comparison you know you i've had like the last 10 days off and the first five i was quite ill and i barely went on social media i just like laid on sofa for five days and on day six i looked on facebook it's like should i have been posting all this time should i have been promoting this should i have been like no i'm not well but it still comes comes in your brain and I think that, that that's that's really interesting i think that probably was one of my learns as well from this lockdown the the idea that actually taking that time to do nothing actually helps you get more productive. So, you know, it was it was this last lockdown. I mentioned before about releasing the, the Five Minute Fairy podcast and the Instructor podcast. I think that if I hadn't have taken the time out, that wouldn't have got done because I'd have just got stressed and frustrated and yeah. and it just helps you clear your, clear your brain a lot. So I think, again, you, some, some interesting points there. Um, I don't envy you of signing up a driving school then, <laughs> then immediately going into lockdown and dealing with all that. Um, so the question I wanted to ask you both was, we are potentially coming up to another sort of lockdown. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. We hear murmurings of it. Unfortunately, and you know, if you listen to this show, you know I try not to be too black up. Unfortunately, we're governed by a government that doesn't like to be thoroughly coherent or thoroughly decisive or proactive so lots of things are up in here. And also we run by the DVSA, similar traits at times. Um, but so we don't know what's coming up. We don't know if there is no lockdown, if there is a lockdown, if there's going to be a lockdown, it doesn't apply to us. You know, we don't know what's coming up. But let's just for a second, look, almost worst case scenario, and imagine there is a full lockdown that does affect us. What 
would you be doing different potentially? And what maybe advice would you offer to other ADIs that are potentially going into a lockdown as well? I really don't know. And I've got to the point where I really don't know because we've done it all. Um, that I don't think there's anything necessarily constructive to suggest to the to the whole community. I think it is a case of um, firstly take you know a, a moment, a few moments at the beginning to just look at where you're at financially, mentally, and just make sure you know so that it's realistic. Um, and I, I will start shouting about um, National Debt Line again because they are bloody brilliant. Um, they are, they, they feel to me, you know, a phone call to them feels to me like um, like doing nothing. It's that same fear feeling, um, uh, except you know it's crap at the end of it because you see, you know where you're at. And actually, it's not. Um, they they were awesome to myself and numerous other people with some decent advice that just said that it's not as bad as you think it is. We speak to people a lot worse off and, and this is what you can do. Um, so prior preparation and planning, as we know. So take a moment at the beginning to figure out where you're at, then figure out where you need to be going to. And and I think that'll be that'll be the thing. You, that's all you can do is work from where you're at. Um, you know, I, I had the same conversation with my mum who phoned uh, on uh, Boxing Day just before we were supposed to be going over there. And my dad's tested positive, um, and she was, you know, in a bit of a mess as, as, as expected. And we just said, right, so what needs doing now? Because it is what it is. Um, so I, I dropped some, you know, meds and home remedies and stuff over, and now they're dealing with it. You know, she set the house up to keep him out of the way, and I said, you've been wishing he wasn't there for a week for you know, years, you've got it now, just leave him to it. And she smiled and, and I think she's quite enjoying herself. She's got a whole craft <laughs> craft outfits out. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to look at the reality and make sure we know what that reality is. And then we go, right, what are we going to do with it? Um, and, and that's what we've done. And, you know, it's, it's just going to be the same as if it was horrific snow. And we're used to that. So, you know, let's see. I, um, when I when I had COVID, I remember sort of being opposite the wife who fair distance apart, but I said to her, I've got I think I've got COVID love. I need to take a, a PCR test. And she her eyes just widened and she went, So I don't have to be in the same room as you. I'm like, oh for fuck's sake, come on. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think you kind of touched on on something I would have said there as well, or maybe in a, a slightly different way. You mentioned about almost planning. Um, I think we could almost start planning for that now. You know, we're at that, that week now where, yeah, a lot of people are going back to work. I'm back on lessons tomorrow. But this week doesn't tend to usually be the full, you know, packed out week it normally is. So we'll probably find ourselves a bit of time on our hands this week. Why, why not spend half a day actually thinking, right, worst case scenario, this happens, this is what I'm going to do. You might not necessarily be able to plan financially because who knows what, if any, support we'll get. Who knows if it'll be like three months after you know, that retrospective support is, is ridiculously helpful. Um, but we can still plan what we're going to do. You know, like at the minute, i am got it in my head, right? I'm debating, do I look after myself? Do I look after others? You know, that's a, a big debate. And like one thing for me personally is that the Instructor podcast is it's on, this is, well, the season two has just finished. Season three is supposed to be back in March. My brain, if I'm on lockdown, do I bring it back? 
I'll bring it back earlier, try and, you know, offer some support, give people something to listen to, so keep people up to date with the news. I'll bring it back daily and do it like 15-minute bullet, you know, all this stuff. And I haven't decided yet, but I've got all these ideas of things I'm going to do. And I think that anyone listening, that would be my biggest piece of advice, just take a moment to plan and, and do what's right for you. I think you kind of touched on this before, and I think it were you. Um, it, lockdown's going to be different for everyone. You know, you had to deal with the, the kids at homeschooling. All of 2020, I was homeschooling the um, uh, my stepson. Um, this year, during the first lockdown, he went to his dad's. Uh, my wife had a relapse of RMS and she had to quit work. So it was like a very different lockdown for me. So it could be a different lockdown in that sense. Again, the personal circumstance could change and you need to do what's right for you. So whatever we're saying now, take a pinch of salt, but that'll be the big one, just planning for it. Uh, but I'm going to throw the same the same question over to you. What, you know, what potential would you be doing differently? What advice would you be giving to others? Um, I, think, I think the biggest thing for me would be just to say to people to just do you. You do you. It's, it's as simple as that because... I think I've spent so much time, I mean, I'm 36 now, and I think I've spent 36 years of my life worrying what other people are doing or what other people are thinking about what I'm doing. And, you know, it did really take that lockdown this year for me to go, actually, it is all right for me to do me, and, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, and, you know, I think I think it's easy for people to, because for everybody that's that's like myself who who has used lockdown to be proactive and I've created a talk and through the driving skill somehow, even though we were at work and, and homeschool the kids. And that was great for me because that's the type of person that I am. Um, I can't sit still. Um, you know, I, I need to be doing something all the time. Um, whereas, you know, there are people who who aren't going to deal with a lockdown in that same way. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't know if I could get into a lockdown whether I would deal with a lockdown in the same way this time. Um, I don't. I don't know whether it would be a matter of, do you know what? I'm just going to take this time out. Because I do remember going back after this one in April going, wow, I'm knackered. <laughs> and I've been off for all of that time. And I went back into these driving lessons and obviously as, as everybody else was, we were just crazy, crazy busy. So I was doing so many more driving lessons compared to what I was doing post all of this mess. Um, and and I, I got to the end of the first week and I'm like, wow, I'm going to tie I wish I'd just had a week of watching the film, watching films. Now, reflectively, I probably wouldn't be able to do that because I'll probably get through the second film and start twitching or something. But everybody is different, so I think my advice would just be do you. And, you know, don't feel that if you're doing nothing, it should be doing something. And if you're doing something, it should be doing nothing. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think that's key. I think it's doing what's right for you. And I think that uh, you mentioned at the start, Chris, uh, every lockdown seems to have been different. You know, you've adapted to it accordingly. Uh, and I, I think probably the same again this year. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to people and, and do what's right for you. But one thing the, um, the lockdowns did cause, uh, which is I'm sure we're all super happy about, is a ridiculous long backlog in driving tests, um, which... Over here, now I'm just going to touch on this before I ask you actually, because over here I'm starting to notice that backlog reduce. Like, now I'm based up in uh, Leeds slash Bradford, and at first glance it looks like it's the same. It looks like it's still a six month wait, but it isn't. 
because I'm getting people that are, are finding more open slots earlier. There's just not lots of them. You know, I had someone book a test the other week for February and it's like, how have you managed to do that? So I just went on and there were one space. And there's more of these random spaces opening up. And uh, so, yeah, I'm finding that if even the people that have to book for five or six months' time, uh, when they're then looking for cancellations, they're finding the cancellations easier. So I do think that the backlog is just slightly starting to ease off a little bit. But the, the point is, there is a backlog. So I'm going to come to you with this one first. Emma, how has that affected you and your business? And how have you handled it? What advice would you give to a radio? It's a whole bunch of questions. Just talk about it. Um. I think the biggest thing, I'm, I'm Merseyside, I'm St. Helens, so we're, we're quite a large town, um, but not to the size of cities, so we're not taking capacity like a city like myself would be. So we're the same, you know, our, our average is June, I think, at the minute, for, for a driving test, but just as what, like what you said, I think we're getting more so where people are going, oh, I've managed to get one in January, and I'm like, how do you manage that? Um, and it's, it's like you just said, it's just that one open slot for whatever reason, whether somebody's cancelled the test and they're just in the right place at the right time, or whether you know that the DVSA have just started to open up these these random slots. I mean, we had uh, an issue at the beginning of December, one, one of our examiners tested positive, and as it came back, it came back that it was the Omicron variant. So they actually closed the test centre. Um, so the test centre was closed for a week. Um, now, I was really lucky. I had a test the day before it closed and the one the day after it opened. <laughs> so I was really, really lucky that none of my test was actually infected. But the guys who I spoke to around here that did have tests that were infected managed to get tests for that same week that it reopened. So there are some slots, I think, that are holding back for these events and then we must be just releasing them if, if it's not had to to go ahead as an emergency for, for somebody having to isolate or what have you in one of the examiners. So but I can only assume that it's that it's that that we're doing it. Um, from a, a school point of view, I think it's just the given that same advice of you know make sure you're ready and, and all that sort of stuff that you're not taking up a slot that you know isn't going to be a successful one. Um, you know and and it, the biggest thing is that the stress of of trying to tell somebody to book a test because you will be ready in June, <laughs> but then not translating it off the driving instructor said I'm ready for my test. Because then they'll, they'll come back and they're going, oh, yeah, I, I found one for February. And I'm like, no, you're not going to be ready in February. I told you to book it because you will be ready, more than ready in June. And if you're ready for that, great, you'll look for a translation. But don't translate this as I'm telling you that you're ready for your test now because you're not. <laughs> And, you know, they're going off on a tangent and booking one for, like, next week or something. And you're just like, oh, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're saying. Um, so I think that's difficult. And then the onslaught of the people who are messaging saying, I've got a test tomorrow, can you take me? And you don't know these people. You know, we're getting so much of that, so, so much. I had one on um, Christmas Day, managed to get one for a test for today. And I'm like, no, like... I don't know who you are. I don't know what your abilities are. I'm not going to go and let me play with my car. Um, you know, and I haven't got any time before then to, to assess whether that's that's okay or not, you know. So I think it's just stressful, to be honest. I find it quite stressful to balance it. You know, before I, I would have been 
you know, driving instructors for 12 years, I was quite clear on telling people when they were ready for the test. And then we'd have, say, another four weeks before that test was set, um, which would just be kind of an overflow of extra lessons to really push the, their abilities and things like that so that they're more than ready for that test when it came. It was easy. Um, and now it just feels really hard to actually engage when somebody's going to be ready and then put them in the system of when they're going to get a test and then and, and, and then saying to that person when they're getting older that they're not ready when they've waited all that time because you, it's guesswork. It feels like guesswork that they're going to be ready by June um, or, or whatever because at this stage you probably don't know. You know, it's just hard, really, really stressful. I think... I think that's the key word, the stress side of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that we sometimes forget how stressful, well, I shouldn't say we, I sometimes forget how stressful it is for the pupils and they yeah. forget how stressful it is for, for us as instructors. But, you you know, you were talking then about the communication you have for your pupils and that's something that's helped me a lot. And, and anyone, you know, listening, that's my biggest advice around this. And I'm in a privileged position where... That'd be privileged, where it's just me. You know, it's, I don't have a school as such. It's just me and my car. Um, but as the instructor with this set of students, I, I'm i in constant communication with them. I think this past week has been the first time when I haven't been. Um, I told them, right, leave me alone for a week. I'll get back in touch. But, you know, they they always knew what was going on. They always knew the score. Um, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I've got a Facebook group that they're on. And I'll go in there and I'll post updates and I'll talk about what's happening. I'll talk about whether masks are mandatory or suggested. And I'll talk about whether they're required on driving tests. And, you know, they're always up to date. And I think that because of that, that side of it has actually been pretty easy for me. I think in the the, the two years this has been going on, I've only had one student that's actually sort of caused me any problem with it and, and and not kicked off but you know was adamant they wanted to go for a test when they weren't ready and annoyingly wanting their own car and pass but that's another story for another day but, <laughs> um but yeah so you know i think that communication is is the key there but i, I massively agree on the stress it's it's extra work for us and it might be simple but what you are doing is delivering a negative message we can try and dress it up as yeah. nice as we want you know when you're having to say to someone actually, no, you've moved your test forward to February and you're not ready for that. You're still delivering a negative message. You are the bearer of bad news, irrelevant whether you've told them before and they're not. And that takes its toll on you personally. you know. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, you get people messaging. Now, I've been quite lucky. I don't seem to have as many as most people that are messaging me saying, will you take me for my test tomorrow? But that's negative as well because I'm now thinking, what, am I not popular? Am I not really instructor? <laughs> but it's that constant, that bearing of bad news. Like yeah. you said, you're texting people saying, no, I can't take you. I'm sorry. You know, mm. you're still delivering that person bad news. And it's just, it's an unpleasant feeling. And yeah. I think it has taken its toll on the industry overall. There are some people that handle it better than others. And there are some people that handle it really badly. And I can understand how both occur. But yeah, I think that everything you, you spoke about there is, is, is uh, resonates massively. And I, I suppose my piece of advice to everyone was try your best not to take it personally. You know, you, you have this relationship with your students and, that, and that's great, but you almost have to be impartial at times and just take a step back and, and be honest. And you you mentioned, you know, don't let, you don't, you're not going to let someone play with your car. Well, it's right. That's, that's what it comes down to. You know, oh. the, the, the kind of the jokey thing I say to my students, someone flashes the lights at them and then they go to go and I say, Oh, do you know that person? I'm like, no. So why do you trust them? Would you trust them with your phone? And they'll yeah. say, no. And why are you trusting with my car then? Yeah. 
it's the same thing. You know, I won't trust this person with my car unless they're willing to give me a 20 grand deposit, in which case, fine, go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that that's my, you know, that's my um, thoughts on that. So I'm going to throw the same over to you, Chris. I, I think communication is key, isn't it? it? It's always been the thing that if you can communicate something well, it doesn't go wrong. Um, it is what it is, but it doesn't go wrong. Um, and you can actually improve on it. And and I think that that's, that's yeah, for me, that's the thing that I've been saying. I, I haven't got anyone taking tests. Um, so I'm dealing with the theory, which is not too bad unless you have any specific needs. And if you need the additional accommodations, which is a stupid title to start with, because um, anyone who phones up, push two for additional accommodations, it sounds like they're going to put you up in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> And and it you know to that side of things, well, it's it's under supported, but it's you know it it's a nightmare. I think things like that are actually reducing the pressure on the practical waiting list. Um, I think the DVSA need to genuinely, and that's the difference, uh, genuinely thank instructors for acting as a as a, a, a roadblock to the the pressure on the test system. Uh, some of that is has been you know uh, engineered by them uh triggers and and such making instructors think twice yes fair enough uh again communication is key i'll I'll just repeat that bit um so you know they might be listening and they might learn but it's it's happening there there is this you know this this holding back people can't get lessons they can't get to the well we know they can't get to the point of taking the test they think otherwise um so there's that, you know, that, that's what's sort of going on. And I think the only way of dealing with it is, is as, as Emma said, as you said, Terry, you've got to be honest with them. You've got to set it from the start as well. That's when it goes wrong is when suddenly you go, and now I'm going to tell you there's restrictions uh, rather than um, lay it down on the first lesson or in front of the first lesson, having good terms and conditions. I've never known so many instructors asking about terms and conditions. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's all of those things, and that all comes under good communication. Um, and unsung heroes, I think, you know, in, instructors, the that really draining front line is not being appreciated in the in the way it should be. So, you know, I think we should all take a moment to recognise that it's bloody difficult um, and you do, you want to help that person. So saying no to start with to people who are phoning, asking, and I've got, I've, I've got a test and I know I'm ready and, you know, my instructor's gone to Mars, uh, <laughs> whatever the reasoning might be that they chose. There's, there's so many instructors that have broken legs locally. It's, yeah, yeah. It, then you know the the insurance needs to reassess um that you know i I think there's there's a real strength needed for that um and it's not easy and i i personally don't criticize those that that are arguably failing at it because i think i think it's a really difficult thing everyone's got to find their own way to do it Uh, and that again brings us back to i think the, the the time that's coming up which is the time of community driving schools however that works in in where you are um it could be independence linking together via whatsapp and such and we've got a lot of that locally um i've set up whatsapp networks for different test centers and and 
tests being passed in those between the independents. So, you know, they need those people to be working with and they've got them. Uh, or driving schools like, you know, uh, Amazon and ours that, that are, you know, groups of instructors who can then work together. Um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that, that's 2022 stuff. Um, it's going to be much more of that. Uh, the entry into it will be the interesting thing as to whether the new people coming in, what I refer to as pre-PDIs, if they identify that that's important before they end up committed or whether we continue that same cycle that we've had. You know, we've all had that education. They haven't necessarily. So um, hopefully it will will trickle through. Again, um, some good points. And I think that you mentioned about having the, the talk right at the start. I think that's massive, but I think it goes on before that. And I've spoke about this before on the show and I've done uh, episodes specifically about this on the Instructor Podcast Premium, but it's, I think that you can let your customers know your expectations sometimes before they actually become customers or learners or whatever your term is. You know, if you look at your driving school page, what what you put out on that driving school page, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, that's going to draw in a certain type of customer. You know, and I've, I've used the example before, but I'm going to use it again because I think it's the most relevant one I've got, which is a couple of years ago, I saw a driving school post about how if you do an hour lesson with them, you will do 58 minutes of driving. You will not stop. You won't discuss anything. You won't talk stuff. You'll literally do sort of that driving. There'll be no no coaching, I think they actually said as well. And wow. I thought that's actually in some ways a really good promotion for their driving school because that's going to attract that type of person. But that's not what I would want. So I went and put out the exact opposite post. And all of a sudden, that's that was one of my most popular ever, most popular posts ever, talking about how if you don't want to drive on your driving lesson, we'll sit and talk. We'll do the theory. We'll do the show me, tell me questions. We'll discuss the, the mentality or the psychology behind driving. And it, it drew a lot of attention in, and it drew the, the, the customers that I want to work with. So we can put that out before they even become customers. That's got to work all the time because you might get referrals or people that just come across your website or whatever. But it will help. So then when you have that first conversation where you've got to potentially tell someone, oh, by the way, I can't stop you taking your driving test, but I can stop you using my car. Again, mm-hmm. that takes a little bit of the edge off that because they're probably not expecting it in a lot of cases. So I think that, as you said, that that first conversation is massive. And I, I just want to touch back on one other point. Um, you mentioned about the, you don't blame people that handle this situation badly. Well, you know, I think I've, I've mentioned this far on the show as well, but I handled the situation badly. When I first came back, I think it was in June, I had two or three students that I let go on a test where I look now and I think they shouldn't have gone on a test. And it was purely because they'd been waiting since 2019 so like almost two years and i'm like well, i'm just going to cram in as many lessons as i can for you before june and and to be fair skill wise they were probably ready but i probably made that situation worse by being like oh well we'll cram in as many lessons as we can and you know hopefully you'll be ready and i probably gave them the wrong mindset and there were two or three students like that and they were quite close together with the test and it was after them three that i took a step back and i thought yeah i've done that wrong I need to approach the rest of this differently. And and I did. And and since then, because obviously something happened that we may talk about next around standard checks that made me look at my my test results in a in a slightly different manner. And I suddenly realized that the the results that I'd got in 2020 
and the first few months we were back after lockdown of this year weren't up to scratch. I think some of the people I put in weren't maybe the, my normal level of student. But then the rest of this year, they have been. And that's reflected in the, the test results I've got. And, and that's me acknowledging my fault around that. But again, I don't blame myself for that. It's, a, it's an unprecedented situation, we're in. You know, it's potentially telling someone that's been trying to get a test for 18 months. Oh, by the way, you're going to have to wait another six and then potentially go another lockdown and have to wait another six after that. So, yeah, I think so, what you what you said there. I think all of us could be guilty of that. Um, because it, it is, it's, it's exactly what you said. You, you come back and you're having to tell this person who's been trying to do a driving test for the last 18 months and it's been infuriating. You're up against the fact that the theory test is going to run out and as much as to me and you, that's 23 quid to them, it's massive that they've got to do that again. You know, and it's it's, it's just a vicious circle, isn't it? And, and we do get to know these people. You know, they're not just you and an instructor and a student, you get to know these people and you get involved with them and, and you know, it, it is easy to, to do. And I've done exactly the same myself this year, Terry, where you've gone and you've gone, that probably wasn't my best work that I put through that test into there. But when you put in this big factor around it of, of the fact that back to wait, the theory test is running out, and, you know, you're trying to get them up to scratch and you're trying to give them the best that they possibly can to crack at this test. Because because you are involved with them, you are. And you just you do want to give them the best that you can possibly give after we're just part of a complete shitstorm. Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a definite reason that I'm not out in the car, and uh, you know, <laughs> a number of them, and that's one of them. I I know, and this is why I don't judge at all. Um, yeah. I I wouldn't like doing it. Um, I'd you know, I've I've always tried to make sure that people are ready, and and you know. I, I I can do that, but it hurts yeah. doing it, and and more of that is not something that I wanted to put myself through. So it's definitely one of my reasons I'm not out there. So respect to everyone that is doing a good job at doing that because you know. Yeah, it's difficult. I, it is. I chose to step yeah. sideways. Yeah, and it's like what Terry said earlier on about you know the the, the social media posts that he's done on the different driving school about driving for fifty eight minutes. But the, at the end of the day, that. That's that you know you talked about you, the post that says something about not coaching, but for me, if that student gets in and that's what they want to do, if that's what they're driving lesson, then so be it. If that's how they want their driving lesson to go, then that's that's up to us to adapt to them, you know, because that's what coaching's all about. So as much as he's putting that out about coaching and he didn't do coaching, really, it is what he's doing, but. Is then just attracting that type of student rather than attracting different types and adapting to them. He's just attracting that that type of student, and and that's that's what's okay for him, and that that's fine. Whereas your social media post series blew up because what you basically said on yours is, you know, I'll learn from anybody and I'll adapt to you, you know, and that's that's the difference in the two posts, isn't it? And that's that's what we've got to do. But then that is challenge. You know, us, us being good coaches and us adapting to these people as best as we can. It is challenged by the crap around us at the moment with regards to test waiting times and theory tests running out and the fact that we've been locked down and these people have waited already all of this time because then we're both scrambling to kind of adapt and just get through it as best as we can. What it possibly means that both instructor and student are having to come out of the the best way, the way that they would normally teach or the way that they would normally instruct or the way that they would normally adapt or coach. And then for the student, it's them adapting as well, going, 
Definitely. And uh, one thing that didn't, I'm getting better with these segues now, one thing that didn't help with the stress was the standards check, uh, what I politely call fiasco. Um, and, and now I'm going to throw a bit of positive light on this because I know there's a lot of negative stuff and I've still got massive mixed opinions. But I mentioned before about it did direct my folks a little bit towards the test and, mm. you know, potentially putting people in the maybe, and it, <sighs> phrasing this wrong, um, there are those students, and I don't know if it's just me that does this, but there are those students that are capable of driving. And you think, if I could sign you off, I'd sign you off now. But I don't think it'd pass a driving test because mm-hmm. that extra pressure, that extra stress of someone sitting here and you know when you're being judged, I think is going to throw you out because that's all you're talking about right now. Um, and I didn't really factor that in before. I would still let those people go and take the test. And I think they would generally be the ones that then failed and passed second time. And they'd always pass second time because they'd come away like, oh, I proved to myself I can do it because I just did that one thing. And it was because I was thinking about the instructor. And then I went, and then they go and pass second time. And I kind of, I was always okay with that. But with this standards check now, putting focus on the test, it has made me reassess that a little bit. So I, because you're chuckling away, Chris, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Give me your thoughts. And you, you've spoken about this a lot on the podcast, but we've had time to dwell, time to, to mull things over. Give me your thoughts on these amazing new standards trick triggers. I, I'll come to DVSA second. Um, I think that, that, that the recognition you're talking about is something that we do really badly in the UK not aimed at anybody specifically, just the way that we work. Um, it's reflected in how crap we are at the theory. Um, it just is anyone who wants to talk theory, get in touch with me because I, I will happily offer the learnings I've had so you haven't got to suffer in the same way and then you can help people with the theory. Um, and if you look at the Scandinavian countries particularly, because they do it really well, they have a practical driving instructor and a psychological driving instructor in some way. Might be the same person, but two different jobs. They have the hands and feet stuff, and then they have the, the, the head stuff. And we're rubbish at the head stuff because we look at it. And it is, I, I, I have to say, it is the GDE matrix. It is, it is in there, but that then makes everybody wave their hands in the air and get angry. But it's quite simple. You can operate a car, but you can't drive. And we all see it, and we all see see that, and we recognise that. And then we're surprised when it's a problem. Um, and and it's the same thing about you know, referring to what we we're just talking about the the that ability to see the big picture as well as the smaller picture. We know when they first get in the car for that first lesson, their brain, their their thoughts are inside their head. They're not even in the car yet. And then they move to the feet and hand stuff. And then they might just about stretch for an inch outside the car. And, and then that gets further and, and, and they start planning. And, and that process goes on. We need to, therefore, when you're looking at people who think that they need to be have wheels moving for 58 minutes because they've been taught that they learn by doing rubbish, 
Um, you learn by thinking. That's what learning is. Um, you might benefit from doing, but you learn from thinking. Um, that we need to have that overview and go, yes, that's brilliant. We'll get you loads of experience, but then let's make sure we do good stuff with the experience. You know, good chefs use good ingredients. Just because you give me good ingredients, I still can't cook for toffee. Um, so you've got, to, that's our job. That is to manage that picture. And I think that, you know, we, we don't, we don't deal with that psychological development, the understanding that we, we don't deal with that well. And the, the, the DVSA have done a good job. Um, but shite communication uh, again, please, that is what we need to focus on. So we need to work on mental driving, mind driving, awesome book that I discovered really early on. Um, some, you know, it's, it's a bit, whether you like it or not, because it's all about equations and stuff. I like that stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, oh, and be sorry, and Better Drivers, the DVSA book, which nobody's read and everybody should have, um, which those two that are really psychologically based. Um, and then you've got Jed, Jed and Claire's, um, uh, Jed and Claire Wilmot's book, Who's in Driving Seat. Um, and another one that people don't necessarily come across, which is Neil Snow, who wrote one for parents doing the same kind of thing, pushing the GDE type stuff, the, the thinking driving stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it's made people look at it and go, all right, so you might squeeze a test, but can you pass a test? You know, are you going into that standard? Um, I think, I think I'm all for it. Um, I also think it's shown that we're all, I include myself in this, we're all a bit crap at maths and we don't really understand this kind of tiered approach of going, you know, but you've got to hit three, you know, actually at the moment you've probably got to hit four because um, they're starting bottom up. Um, and we look at it and we'll look at that one pupil that's gone to test. So many conversations with people in the car, uh, so with instructors who've had a test, um, having so, so many conversations where it's, yes, but this pupil got this, and I'm, but you've got to look at the big picture. Yes, I know I've got to look at the big picture, but this pupil got this. We don't. We look at the little picture again. We need this, this macro view. We need to be able to see you know, the, the, the whole universe of what's going on and, and then be able to work from there. And that's not what we're good at. We're good at doing stuff. We're good at seeing a problem and fixing a problem. And I, the, for me, the only issue with the whole thing, whether you like standards checks or not, is, is separate. And, and the standards check isn't the solution. It, that makes no sense. Uh, the DVSA are recognising that and have acknowledged that now. I had a chat with one of the, the um, head enforcement people. And the solution to the triggers, so the, tr the, tr the triggers is highlighting the problem, the solution to the triggers is the enforcement call, not the standards check, because that's what addresses the triggers. The standards check addresses, are you delivering a good lesson? I love it. I think it's awesome. That standards check sheet I will use all day long. Um, but the, and I use it for other stuff. Um, just if I'm doing a job, I, I will work through that same basic criteria because it works. Am I delivering it well? Um, but the, um, the, the, enforcement call then they've had rave reviews from people that have had them that they've been, they've been really good and they've really helped them understand stuff good communication from someone from the dbsa <laughs> awesome um uh, yeah 
Did I make that point that I think there should be better communication? I mean, it's my podcast, so I'm going to do it. Self-promotion. Uh, the standards check thing, breaking it down. Go check out the Instructor Podcast Premium. Uh, I've got some wonderful series over there at Minute, breaking down the standards check with the likes of Ray Seagrave and, and Bob Morton. And uh, another wonderful person who just agreed to come on that may be called Chris. But, uh, but yeah, go check that out. There'll be links in the show notes. But I want to touch on a couple of things there because I'm – Again, still massively mixed feelings on this. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but a lot of it is personal opinion rather than than fact. And someone's opinion has to be more important than mine. And unfortunately, it's the DVSA in this case. Um, you mentioned the communication, though. I I think the communication from the DVSA is getting better. But I also think that the, the, they're at, we're at a position now where the DVSA doesn't need to communicate as well in the sense of, the outlets that are out there for instructors. You know, you, you're listening to one right now. This podcast, there's the other podcasts are out there. The, I mentioned them again, promoting all these other shows of Dipod and um, uh, the Did Podcast. Um, plus you've got like the, the DITC and the all the other acronyms, the ADI, NJC and, and all, you know, all this stuff. You can just search, you go on a Facebook group on social media and type in DVSA and filter it to the most recent post. And you'll have people talking about the latest things so they almost don't need to communicate as well with individual instructors they should do but we can now go and find this stuff easy enough so i think that's that's key there and, and just my take just on the, the the triggers themselves i think my my issue with the trigger but everything else is still the fact that i could send i could have a a zero percent pass rate every student i send into test next year could fail they could all fail on serious faults so they don't get any of the, the dangerous and examiner in interference and they all get less than five minors or five driver faults before someone shouts at me. And I still wouldn't get called in for a Sanders check because I'll still only be in two triggers, even though I've got a 0% pass rate. And I think that when you've got a, a system that you can effectively do that on, I don't necessarily agree with it, but there's a lot of, I think the idea of drawing attention to it is good. I think that they're actually doing something, which is good. And I think that, um, they can only work with the data they've got. And if the data they've got is test data, then that's what they need to work on, unfortunately. So uh, I'm going to throw over to you, Emma, for your thoughts on, on the, the change in the standards check, how it's run, and if it's impacted you and your school at all. Um, I think really, similar to what, what you both said already, is, is that I've got my agreements and I've got my disagreements with it. I think we're all the same uh, with, with regards to that. I look at it more positively than negatively, um, if I'm honest. I, I do agree with a lot of it, um, because I do collectively think it's going to start raising some standards. I think it'll take a while for us to see that actually happen, um, but I think collectively it will start to raise some standards across the industry um, with regards to who people are putting in for tests. Um, I think... You know, we're, we're talking about 40,000 plus people here who, who are all going to have to go through this. And, you know, when you, when you look at it, I've only done a decade, just over a decade of this. And, you know, there's been a lot of changes in that decade with regards to showing time questions, pulling up on the right and reversing. And every single time there's a change, there's an uproar. Like, people don't like change. You know, it's, it's as simple as that, isn't it? People don't like change. Um, you know, I, I've even gone from it being a check test to a standards check in this time. 
Uh, and now we've got this new standard set triggers as well, you know. So there's, there's been various changes that's gone just in this decade of me being a driving instructor. And every single time there's a complete uproar, and people tend to kind of see the negative, kick up a massive fuss about it before they've actually read about it or, or found out information about it. You know, the amount of people I've seen posts similar to what you guys said before about this one learn a driver that they just took in for driving tests and then that's it I'm going to be using the standards check next week and I'm like no no <laughs> that is not the case you know and it, people just run with it don't they they run with the negative the DBSA is out to get us and they're not they're not improving they're not you know they're not fantastic at what we do a lot of it is communication issues um but you know quite often the communication's there but it's how it's received as well they can't be responsible for getting information out there and how somebody receives it because we're all going to receive it slightly differently until we digest it. I think too many people kind of run off on tangent before they've actually given themselves some time to digest it. Um, I agree with it. Um, like I'm, I'm more positive. My only concern is the, um, the uniform of it, really. You know, like Chris mentioned about the, the enforcement call previous to you actually doing the standards check. How uniform is that going to be? You know, how uniform are these enforcers across the whole country? Um, you know, because like Chris mentioned, they, you know, we said a lot of people have said that, you know, that's been a really big game changer for them. It's been really proactive. It's been really good and positive and all the rest of it. But I've also heard stories of the opposite. And, and then does that then come down to the actual enforcer as opposed to the enforcement call? Um, and then, I mean, again, this is just from a personal point of view. Previous to any of this happening, I always requested my um, fault analysis sheets every year. I have them for about eight years now. I've always requested my form, found out exactly, but I also keep a spreadsheet record of myself. And they never, ever tally up properly. They're there and they're about, but they're never spot on. So what happens if what I've got on my spreadsheet isn't the same as what they've got um, recorded against me? But them as well, you know, what, what, what's going to go on there? Because this isn't going to be a perfect system. There's too many of us. But that's, and I agree, that's what I'm, I haven't heard of any that are actually accurate. Um, and But I think it's the same thing, isn't it? If, if, if it's about quality control... As long as the data that's recorded is accurate, so if they only record 10 of your 100 pupils, as long as the 10 are recorded accurately, that should still work. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as you know, quality control in a factory. You don't yeah. test every single thing going out, but you test one in every however many. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's the same as a standards check in a way that you test a lesson. The problem is people know it's a test um, and, and therefore it's not necessarily testing what's normally delivered. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that the more people can embrace a standards check form, the process, yeah. which wasn't written by the DVSA because it works, um, it was written by people who understand education because yeah. that's not the DVSA's job, education. So why would we go to them? You know, yeah. also wasn't written the biggest by... thing for me is that people don't recognise as instructors would not we're not the same as the DVSA. We're doing completely different jobs. And I think we get so involved in the fact that we're the same and 
and we're not the same. <laughs> we're doing completely different jobs. We're doing completely different jobs. And, and that works the other way around as well. I, I was in a room of instructors um, in, uh, down in Chatham and they were talking about the, the triggers and the changes and everything else. And it, it happens a lot. It happened you know, very clearly there that the instructors see, exactly as Terry just did, um, they look for exceptions. Yeah. So it's always, well, yes, but there was this one. And the so they're talking about results on a on a driving test, and mm-hmm. it was uh, the example was uh, the the driver drove both wheels over the curb. So they were doing a left turn, they drove over the curb. How do you mark it? So all instructors were that's a fail, and the examiners were going depends. Yeah, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to weight it. We've got to assess it. It might not even be a fault. It it depends. So instructors are always looking for that exception because that's what we do. We always go for the, for this is the worst case because the, the best solution to that is don't hit the bloody curb in the first place. If you don't touch it, it's not a problem. If you yeah. can go through your life and not touch anything with your car, you're probably going to do all right. So that's our approach and that's the side of the fence that we're on. Uh, and as Emma said, it's a different job examining. What I would like to see is the DVSA training us to examine on a really basic level of so that so instructors have an absolute understanding uh, and I did you, we don't have to wait for the DVSA I did the examiner training with um, with Diamond DIA's advanced driving um, and, and I did that and, and that really helped me look at things from an examiner perspective uh, ROSPA IAM although they're not DVSA based so a bit different but it gives you that examiner approach um, and I think there should be more of that coming through but it is yeah, you know, we, we look for those exceptions every time because we're trained to. We look for faults all the time because we're trained to. That's that's the job. You don't pass your part three if you don't spot a fault. Now that is changing a bit with you know with with the the new. We're still calling it the new one. It's been in a while. Uh, we lost a year, but it's still there. And you know, it, it's, it's like we we've, we've only been doing the job for you know. Emma said just just over a decade. Uh, I've only been doing it for fourteen years. If you're not in like starting with a two it, it doesn't count does it um you're still new to the job but it, yeah i i think i think you know it, it does highlight some of those differences and and we should be embracing i think i don't I, do you know i don't think it's just a driving instructor thing i think we're sort of the extreme example of it because as you said we train to do it it's, it's drummed into us but it's a, it's a people thing you know there's a, a proper psychological term for it but when someone states something as fact yeah. a natural thing it's like if i say now that um the vaccine any vaccine is 100 successful you're immediately going to find something that an example of the time it isn't it, that's where your brain will go now you've then got two choices you either go down the road of oh well this must be a really bad thing or you go down the road of oh well, that's an exception. How can we try and prevent that going forward? And it's it's the same with a with a test or with lessons or with anything around the standards check. You know, if we have that, I, I mentioned before about the, the, the two or three, I think it was three students in, in the summer that I put out. It was like I can just get my you know my blinkers on and be like, right, well, these are just bad students, you know, or the test is rubbish or whatever. Or I can be like, okay, what am I doing wrong? What can I do different? And I try and do that after even the ones that pass. Like zero fault pass, which I'm not had for a couple of years, but even you know those passes, I'm still like, okay, what could I do differently to make this better? And I think that it's it's really easy 
to just deflect it outwards. I think, right, well, that examiner's notoriously mean on parallel parking. Or, you know, that roundabout's hard anyway, so they were always going to fail on that. Or, you know, this student's got nerves. Mm. Like, well, all those things might be true, but we can still do something different. You know, if we know that that roundabout's particularly hard, perhaps we should do that roundabout more with that student. So not to get them familiar with it, to build up their confidence, because they're mm. going to know it's hard as well when they come to do it. So, Emma said it at the beginning. It's my my number one rule for the theory theory test, and I, and I know that you believe the same. You've just said it. It's you do you, and and that's got to be the approach. It's the approach to lockdowns. It's the approach to running your business. Um, you know, it is that you've got to have that responsibility, and you're the only one that can actually ha- have an effect. Um, it's also the reason that we need to stop looking at the DBSA. Um, I'm going to throw this one to you first, Emma, because one of the the things I see online a lot, and I, I, I carry out this lot, I do use online to gauge a lot of opinion. You know, I can't speak to 40,000 driving instructors. Um, but one of the things... Speak that of I, the DBSA. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think I might speak to more. <laughs> but there you go. Um, but the... One of the things I see online a lot, the, the argument against is that once a student goes for our test, we can't control what they do. We're not responsible for them at that point. They've gone for their test. We're not responsible. I have a different opinion to that, so I'm wondering what your take on that is. What responsibility, yeah. what ownership we have at that point? Yeah, I have a Situation arises, you know, 
are they going to zoom back to the driving lesson and think, oh, remember that conversation I had with Anna about this? You know, how do I deal with this? What can I do to get some help to prevent me from getting in the car and driving when I've had a couple of glasses of wine or whatever? And, and, and potentially they don't end up in that situation because they've preempted it and they've not taken the car keys with them or they've, yeah. you know, they, they've planned better. Um, yeah. It's that, that um, barely, is it barely legal drivers, I think, that they, you know, they regularly would have people going out and they'd be really sensible and they'd go and stay in a hotel room and the next morning the, the film crew would stick the breathalyzer in their face and they'd still be over the limit. And yeah. they'd it right. Yeah. And they haven't followed that through. And that's about understanding. And, yeah. and it's, you know, well, I feel okay. Um, yeah. And the, 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 there's a real responsibility on us as instructors because there's not enough education elsewhere when they're learning. And at that point, they're very focused on just doing the test. That's what they're there for. They're, lear- they're there to learn to drive class test. That's what they arrive to you for, ultimately. Um, you know, and it's your responsibility, I think, as the driving instructor to, to, to take that and push the boundaries on that much further than teaching them how to do a roundabout and teaching them how to do this tricky set of traffic lights that people normally fail on or what have you. Because we've got such a bigger, you know, bigger responsibility. I mean, there's, there's a chapter in, in the Learn and Drive Log book where I, I purposely focus on this. And I, I did it as a kind of simplified version not something as, as the new driving or what have you, but, you know, a lot of people, we get very um, car-focused, so we're on the road, we see the car, we go to the driver, we don't think about the driver, we think about the car. So we, you know, it, it's getting people to say, well, all right, you're on the road with, say, six other cars, that's not six other cars, that's six other personalities, and you don't know what kind of personality or, or what kind of deal that other car driver is dealing with today, what kind of what kind of pressures are under or what have you. And I actually put it in the um the logbook as a supermarket analogy. You know, imagine being in the supermarket with your trolley and everybody else has got the trolley. You know, you've got the little old lady who's trying to reach for the things on the top shelf and can't do it, and she's really slow and motive with the with the, the things she's doing. And then you've got the businessman who's still on his mobile phone trying to dash around getting microwave meal and he's pushing and barging people out of the way. Then you've got the mum with three kids, one's kicking off and stamping the feet down the aisle, the other one's throwing things out of the trolley. And every one of those people are going to go outside from the supermarket and get a car. Their personality doesn't change. You've still got the stressed mum with three kids, you've still got the businessman who's late or still dealing with stress and still on the phone, probably. You've still got the little lady whose reactions are a little bit slower and she can't deal with things the way that other drivers are dealing with them. And we're all out there playing cars. But we're all different personalities, and and I don't think we address that enough in driving lessons to address personalities instead of just cars. We address cars, we don't address the people who drive them. I think. I think that's massive, and it's something that I never used to do, and I don't know what's made me start doing it more recently. But you know, there was an incident recently where we got overtaken by so you know when you're doing the speed limit, and then someone overtakes you. We had that, and the student immediately started having a go at them, like not road rage type, but like oh, look at that idiot. And I think my response was, you know, again, do you know him? And I'm like, no. So I said, right, well, how do you know? He just got a call saying that his wife's been rushed to hospital. Still don't condone it, but all of a sudden it makes it almost understandable and I said yeah. you know if you got your you know how would you react if you got a cold you you know drive like that and it's interesting but I think that the other thing I want to mention on that in relation to the test and after 
is I do think we've got a role to play. I do think we have a certain amount of responsibility, and I think it comes down to the influence we have. So, again, looking at me personally, if I put someone on a driving test and they fail, and they failed because, for example, they found themselves focusing too much on the examiner rather than what they were doing, if that's the underlying cause, that's I've I've not done my job properly. I haven't. I haven't got them to the stage where they're not doing that. I can't control that while they're on the test, but there must have been something I could do more in preparation. The same after the driving test. You know, if that student passes and then decides that they think it's appropriate to do 40 in a 30 zone when it looks quiet, I've not had enough influence on them. I've yeah. not done my job properly at, at that point. So whilst I can't control what they do on the test and I can't control what they do after a test, I do have that responsibility and I, because it's my influence I have on them and I need to have the correct influence. And if I don't, that's on me, not them. Yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a slight moment um, when Emma was talking that it's the difference between um, being judged on your results and being judged on your standards. And actually, I think we've, it's almost come under the radar. It's been really, you know, one of those glaringly in your face but not seeing it things of, of standards is, is, the, is the change. Right. And that the triggers were suddenly based on results and, and that's how yeah. people were seeing them. It's, it's, they're looking at my results. They're not. They're looking at your standards because they're the ones that you've presented. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't think I've necessarily realised that in that way before. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think many people are are recognising that, and and I feel like it maybe is something that we should be recognising that it is about. It, it's not about results. It's about standards, and and it's always been about results, pass rate, um, how how many faults, and, you know, if, just between instructors, and actually, you know, may, maybe there's a, a method to the madness, but standards is is probably where it needs to be. And yeah, that's the moves that we've seen. Um, maybe it just takes a long time to line those ducks up. Um, but if if all of those things, we're looking we're looking at what are so the, the drink driver, what what are uh, or or not being the drink driver, um, but the drink driver situation. The um, you know what are your personal standards and what are you going to do to maintain them. Um, you know, I, I was talking talking to to a, a Muslim friend a little while back, and um, mega respect. I, I I I just I don't think I've ever been that dedicated to something, <laughs> and I include everything in my life to that. Um, and you know, but that that was their standards, and and that's you know they therefore you know that that was their life, and that's what they followed. Um, and actually, if I had a belief in those things, then yes, I would maintain that level um and it's not necessarily about what you do it's about what you're trying to do which i think is really important as well it's about you know knowing where you're aiming for i think you, you saying that about beliefs i think that's massive as well because our beliefs massively become true to us don't they the, the, those are our beliefs and to us they are that's it that is the truth and and you know we, we've got to We've got to be careful that we don't get so sort of involved in our own beliefs that it does become the truth for everybody, you know, so that you know we, we've got that because you know, I think when it comes to, to teaching people to drive, like when Terry went about the the old teaching driver, 
earlier on, like automatically I'll believe it, well, that's, that's a bit of a different driver. But you don't know that. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we get that belief because that's what everybody else would, would say about that, that driver in that sort of particular instance. But it's like, you put a different spin on it and, 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 and start to, to ask the question as to why he's done that as opposed to he's just a different driver. Then, um, you know, you, you start to kind of break down the belief system a little bit. And I think we, we need to do that. I think we do get to involved in our own beliefs and we've set this, this standard that's the truth and we expect everybody else to have that same belief and that same truth. But you made us God. Just um, before I move on from this, I want to touch back on one thing, Chris, because you mentioned the GDE matrix. Um, just A for anyone that doesn't know, and B for me, whose mind has gone blank on what GDE stands for. Just explain what that is, because I think we're guilty of using those acronyms sometimes. Yeah. I, it's because I was desperately trying not to mention the GDE <laughs> matrix, because it's... <laughs> I don't know if political is the right phrase, but it's it's definitely emotive and, and it, it draws a line that people don't like crossing. Um, GDE Matrix is the goals for driver education and my version of it is that it's a shopping list of why people crash cars. Uh, came from the Hermes Project, which is another acronym. I don't know what Hermes stands for. Uh, sorry. Um, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I uh, you know stemmed from there where Europe got together and went, how do we make good drivers? Let's start from the bottom up and and, and look at that and, and figure it out. And I teach, uh, I, I haven't for a little while, uh, I teach it in the car to pupils on a first lesson on the most basic level, which we've already touched on, which there's four levels. Bottom level is, um, is car and control. The second level is the road and the rules, and that's where the test happens, and that's it. So that's your lessons. That's your first set of lessons. Your hands and feet stuff is the car and controls, and then what's happening outside and how you don't hit things is your, your road and the rules. It's your theory. It's, it's, it's all there. Um, but then level three is the factors of the journey, and level four is you, and, and that's what Emma's just been talking about, about beliefs and what makes you you and what makes your judgments. And what your stand, what your standards are, and, and how you're going to maintain them, and and that's it. And, and the rest of it is great, but don't really care. That that for me is enough, because then I can explore the rest of that. And what it reminds me is level one and two. There's a lovely line which is drawn, which is what the test deals with. Level three and four is where the where the learning happens. Yeah, that's where absolutely. the development happens. But yeah. it, it's that simple. People overcomplicate it because it was an academic study. Um, and, and it is, and it is, you know, you could spend years looking at it and probably, you know, to go further, but, um, for us simple folks that are driving instructors that like to be given a tool, not necessarily all of the stuff beneath it, there's plenty that want to go and figure out the stuff beneath it, but we love to be given a tool that we can go and use just those four titles work brilliantly and then they stop your pupils wanting to focus on the test because they've suddenly realized that the test is only 50 percent I don't, I don't want only 50 percent of my driving lessons you know i i, I want the whole thing i i want to i want to deal with me because i'm what's important not the car not the road me so it instantly does that so um yeah but don't don't get put off by all of the rubbish out there and the people who go what a load of tripe because it's it's actually there's some some wicked stuff in there. Yeah, I, I'd say the same. I think if you keep it basic, I think it's a really 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 great tool. I think it's fantastic. 
there are a lot of people out there who overcomplicated it, massively overcomplicated it. Um, and there's a lot of driving instructors that I speak to who've never heard of it. Um, and and it, you know, that when we were talking about test standard and, and post-test and what responsibility we've got, there are probably a lot of driving instructors out there who are on a teaching level one and two. Um, and, and for me, our responsibility does go to level three or four. And that's the post-test stuff so i want to touch now on uh mental health you look at everything we've covered so far it's like we say there's been a lot of negativity there and a lot of stuff that hasn't necessarily been positive but they're all big things that have impacted our industry this year i'm also fully aware that i've been talking to you guys for an hour and 45 minutes now so you guys are probably mentally drained anyway but um i'm gonna just ask you for your thoughts a little bit on and again you can go into as much detail on this as you want i'll, I'll go first on, on sort of how you've been affected by the past year and i suppose that ties into 2020 as well but how you've been affected mentally the past year what you've done to cope if you've needed to cope you know maybe you've been fine um, potentially anything you'd like to any advice you'd like to provide to instructors so um, just from my take uh, and this is you know full transparency complete honesty you know there's there's been times over this year I've been a, a real low um, you know wondering how I'm going to be able to put food on the table and dealing with your students as we said before um, for my personal situation I mentioned this earlier but my wife had a relapse of her MS at the start of the year um, so she had to quit work. So then I've got the financial burden there. And obviously, while she's ill, dealing with her stepson, and we were then able, luckily, to ship off to his, his dad's. That sounds bad way I phrase it that way. But, you know, he went to his dad's, um, which took a bit of pressure off. But then you kind of get through. When I had that instant, like I say, with the students in middle of the year, all I'm doing this, I'm trying to build up the podcasts and, and the, the, the premium content. And, you know, there's been a lot of positives there as well. And then we come to the end of the year and, uh, I had to move a test because, well, I didn't have to, but I, I got COVID. Um, one of the students had a test during that point and she was, you know, happy enough to move it, uh, push it back two months and she's cool with that. And that's, again, shout out to her. I've got some brilliant students that are really helpful. And I, I think that I would have been in a lot worse position if I hadn't have built this community around myself. So this community whereby... Um, and it's all come through the podcast, if I'm being honest, but whereby I've got these awesome people such as you yourselves who are willing to come on and talk to me, you know, and people that I feel that like I can now message and, and ask for help or uh, not necessarily even help, just ask to speak to. And I think that by building up this little support network, and you don't have to do it through a podcast, it can be done by listening to a podcast and contacting me or just by making online friends while we're locked up or, or whatever. I feel that it's just that community and knowing that there's someone there is is largely what's kept me going. And then taking a step back, as I did at the start of this episode, and looking at the positives and actually writing down every good thing. And I mentioned, again, at the start, doing the, the weekend wins that I do in the group, it's acknowledging that actually I have achieved something. Today, I got out of bed when I didn't want to. Today, I did a page on the uh, the, the logbook. Today, I, I you know I put this post out for the DITC. Today, I edited a podcast, whatever it might be. You're actually doing something and acknowledging that that is an achievement for you. And it's those things that have kept me going. And that would be my advice to anyone. So no matter how low you get, sometimes just knowing there's someone there 
is enough. Even if you don't use that person, get that community around you. That could be, and I, I keep repeating it, but it's the obvious one to me. It could be listening to this podcast or a different podcast and knowing that actually, do you know what? I can drop Terry a message if I want it. Or whether it's one of the associations that are always willing to listen. They're always willing to help. And it's not like, and I'm going to use you as the example, Chris, here with the DITC, which isn't an association, just to clarify that. Um, that people are welcome to contact you. I know they are. Now, you're not always going to be there to answer within 30 seconds. Sometimes it might take a couple of days to get back and people have to accept that. But there is a, a platform there that people can contact, whether it's by a direct message or an email or coming, signing up and paying six quid and going in the group. And, you know, six quid for your mental health sounds pretty good to me. Or whether it's just going into the, uh, and I have noticed a t-shirt you're wearing, where it's going into the dark side group, yep, and and actually throwing a comment up there. Now, be warned, you throw a comment in a Facebook group, it's like throwing a grenade in a tank of piranhas. <laughs> you have to pick out and be prepared that you're going to get some abuse because you don't know the difference between a minor fault and a driver fault. But guess what? Fuck them people. Listen to the people that are relevant to you. So that that's kind of where I am and where I've been and my advice to anyone else. So I, I don't know if you guys want to add anything on to that at all. I think it's the same, really, isn't it? I think, I think the biggest thing that, that all of this 2020, 2021 taught us is that shit changes uh, and we're not in control of that. We don't have control of everything. Um, you know, I am the most organised anal person in the world. But this last two years has really, really taught me that I can't be like that sometimes, that, that shit's going to come along and, and I have got to adapt and I have got to change. It's not always going to be the way I assumed it was going to be. Um, you know, and, and that we're not in control of it. And I think, you know, mentally, you know, the amount of times, I mean, I remember, I think it was in the November lockdown that we had last year, but we just had it for like a month. Um, and I, I remember opening the front door to my mother-in-law and just crying. <laughs> like I, just, I, just, I don't even know what I could even tell you now what I was crying about. I, I didn't have a clue. I just I showed my daughter and I just started crying. And she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> what's going on here? And, you know, it was probably just a mix of everything of, like, you know, massive financial pressures, you know, the helping self-employed wasn't fantastic and it certainly wasn't quickly quick coming. Um, you know, so you throw all of that into the mix and all of a sudden, what are you thinking, do you know what, I've never missed a payment on anything in your life. And all of a sudden your face was maybe missing five or six in one month, and you're like, whoa, the what what and, and it's completely out of your control, but you still take it on board yourself thinking, well, I should have this in savings, or I should have done this better previous to this, and I shouldn't be prepared for this. But I mean, who could have prepared for the worldwide pandemic? You know, none of us would have done that. And I think it was just take not taking that that personally and that full responsibility on yourself, you know, um, you know, the stress was matter at times, you know, am I teaching these kids enough? Are they getting enough education from me where they're off? And, you know, am I doing enough that way? Am I doing enough for all the drivers? Am I giving them enough information and enough keeping them in contact enough with them? You know, am I instructors okay? And am I keeping in contact with them? They're not paying me right now, but they're still part of my team, you know, am I still looking after them enough? Um, you know, my husband's going out working, is he all right? Do I need to, you know, am I, am I being a good wife? If, you know, if T's not on the table when he's come home and he's been working, but discounting the fact that I've not stopped myself since I woke up either, just the fact that I've not left the house doesn't mean I'm not doing anything. You know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a melting pot, wasn't it, really? 
Um, but I, I certainly took a lot of positives out of it personally, like personal development wise, and the fact that you know life isn't always going to be the way that I think it's going to be, and, and that it's okay to not always get stuff right. We're not good at change, are we? No. It's it's change changes the thing. We've had shitloads of it. Yeah. <laughs> of, yeah. Of having to on a week by week basis, and and then you think you've got it sorted, and then something else comes along, and you know, I I think that's what's reflected, and I think that actually it's caused it's forced change. Um. Um. Yeah. It it's the X Men stuff. It, it that you know every now and again there's suddenly a leap in in evolution um and although i'm still waiting to be able to fly or, or, you know x-ray vision or be able to fire bullets out of my fingers um all of those be really useful but um we've been forced into a change we've got people like myself so i am now zoom is my life um i'm i'm doing 90% if not more of my stuff on Zoom um, and probably couldn't have seen that as an option before. Um, you know, there's been some real opportunities. You, you've, you've written a book, Emma. So, you know, you wouldn't have got time. You'd have had the lovely idea and wanted to, but you wouldn't have got it done. Um, I've, I've got a very, very different kind of book uh, coming out at some point. It's taken two years and it it's still, you know, bubbling away next year apparently it will be in the shops and it's for kids um and very much a side project but you never know it opens doors um and there's people who've written courses um uh louise and blaine walsh uh with go green instructor training offering similar thing a remote version of of the of training so that people can train themselves and, and work themselves um say loads of books coming through loads of opportunities and and one that i will just be nice for a minute and say terry um and the podcast and everything else bloody awesome in my life thank you very much i won't keep saying it because you know you get enough smoke blown up yeah but um, <laughs> it's uh, it seriously you know if, if i've got an issue he knows full well that he'll get a message saying what do you think and we can disagree and still move on and be friends and it's awesome um uh so yeah i you know i, I think there's some some brilliant stuff come out of all of that um we've adapted we've we've figured it out and we will continue to do so i think that's sort of the last thing i'm going to add on to that is and it's something we've said throughout this show, actually. I think all three of us said it. It's just looking after yourself. You know, you do you. And I think that if you, I'm going to use the Facebook example again, you put a post out there and you start getting some negative responses. Well, guess what? Those people aren't right for you. You don't need to, you don't have to take their opinion on board. My advice would be if they're, you know, if they're just someone that's disagreeing with you, well, you don't have to reply to it. You don't even have to acknowledge it. If you're in a mental place where you feel like you can have a discussion, great, have the discussion. If you're not, don't ignore it. If they're <clears throat> if they're offensive, then block them. You know, you're not obliged to anyone. You don't have to reply to anyone like that. And it's the same for anything you do. So whether you uh, release a learner driver logbook, I, I would, and I could be completely wrong with this, but I would imagine in some quarters that's potentially got a little bit of negativity. Why do my learners need this? Or, or from learners, as I said with some of mine, I don't need that. 
without yeah. even looking at it. Like, I don't need that. Like, okay, fine. It's not for you. Cool. No worries. Yeah. We move yeah. on. And it's same with, a. I think my best example is actually the, the Instructor Podcast Premium. And this isn't a plug for it, by the way, but it's like, that's 10 quid a month. And that's not right for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want it. That's fine. I'm not going to take offence. You don't need to criticise me for it, but I'm not going to take offence, but it's right for some people. And, and that's what it is. You're putting out the stuff, whether it's a product or whether it's you personally, you're not going to be right for everyone. And don't worry about the people you're not right for. You're not interested in them. You're interested in the people that are right for you and vice versa. If you come across something that you disagree with, general rule of thumb for life, don't be a dick. You know, we don't need to go and bitch and criticise about everything we disagree with. Um, murderers? Rapists? Well, that stuff? Yeah, go for it. You, you Knock your socks off. But someone writing a book or doing a podcast? No, tend to leave them alone. Generally, just try to be nice. But look after yourselves. I mean, that's a big thing. And, and if you're struggling, get in touch. But that's... Um, that's sort of the mental health. Now, as we wrap up this, uh, I, I want to touch briefly on uh, just some of the changes, sort of the technical changes, uh, and I'll ask your opinion on these. Um, the B&E tests being scrapped and the, uh, the the new changes to the highway code. So again, we'll kind of unfortunately skim over these a little bit, but I'll just be interested in your thoughts and how people, I suppose actually a good question I would like to ask is how was instructors we can communicate this well with our students and potentially even with um, former students who wouldn't necessarily know about the highway code changes because as much as we try to tell them and I spoke previously about influence you know people don't tend to read the highway code and they don't need to read it so I'm going to throw that to you Chris I think it's stupid um, <laughs> I just with right my perspective is we're telling pedestrians that it's safe to walk out in front of cars end of discussion stupid um i i don't get it you can't change culture driving's about culture um you can't change culture in that way culture has to change in its own way it, it finds its own path you can't tell people what the culture is driving is culture culturally connected if you go to a country where we've all taught them the clutch control is rather questionable and it goes three meters back before it goes forwards and that's normal people don't walk behind cars in the UK, we have awesome clutch control, and people therefore walk right behind cars and because they don't expect them to roll back. Um, we are telling, particularly young people, um, and also the, you know, the, the idiots. But Darwin says that's okay to walk straight out in front of cars because the cars will stop. No. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's 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 so frustrating. Because just any typical junction could have six, seven cars approaching from all sorts of different directions to one pedestrian wanting to cross the road. Uh, and, you know, how slowed on is car number three in that queue that the pedestrian's going to step out and the car number one's going to stop, therefore car number two's going to break? I don't know. They're just, it's just a minefield for me, absolutely minefield. We already teach them that people might walk out. Yeah. You know, uh, that's it. They're, nothing's changing from that perspective. We're just encouraging them to do so. Yeah. The the frustrating thing for me here is this was the one I was aiming to be slightly briefer on because I realised we've been there nearly two hours now. And I disagree with you both slightly. Not completely. I think we're on the similar wavelength. But the, the stuff around the cyclists, I largely agree with because I think cyclists tend to do a lot of that anyway. 
I think yeah. that, yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with the, the thing about people stepping out, particularly like the, the junction side of it, I think it's the mentality around it. So whilst I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with it, it's kind of, one of you just said it and I forget who, but it's kind of what we teach anyway. You know, if you're looking, you should be looking into the junction, seeing what's going on. And if there's someone about to step out, you should be planning on stopping. But it's almost, almost the same thing. They've got someone there. It's just instead of getting ready to stop, you are actually going to stop. The problem is the car behind. And that's the problem. It's not the highway code rule change. It's the fact that people don't drive properly. The highway code is irrelevant. It's pointless. Its only purpose is to get is no, no, that's not credit. Not the purpose. The only reason people use it is sometimes they use it to pass a theory test. That's it. No one, minimal people use it beyond that, and that's mm-hmm. where I think that it's pointless. It's irrelevant. The only way to actually enforce something like this or get it brought out is through training or a mandatory theory test every five years or whatever. Or whether there's a highway code change, you have to go online and complete this training to get your license updated or reviewed or whatever the term is. That's it. I, I don't actually have a massive problem with the rule change. I think it's that we spoke before about communication. The communication is pathetic. We'll put it in the highway code and hope that people will look on Facebook and find out about it. We'll, we'll stick it in the sun because yeah. that'll solve the problem. Yeah. And uh, then you've got the issue with the, the militancy of both sides. So you've got the militancy of uh, driving instructors, not driving instructors, drivers, who are like, well, I won't be following this rule because it's one that I disagree with. Yeah. What about the militant pedestrian that's like, I will be following this rule? Well, then you've got a problem. And that, to me, is then potentially where the hierarchy of road user comes in. Well, it seems the, the pedestrian's dead and the, the driver's getting screwed. Yeah. yeah. The, the issue is that the, it's the pedestrian that will have the problem. You know, I don't want to run anyone over, but, I, you know, I, I will feel bad having hit someone. They won't feel anything. Um, so I, I, it, 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 it's just, it's you do you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so actually, what we've got at the moment is a really good system. And sorry, I keep ignoring the cyclist bit. I'm all for it. Always have been. Primary yeah. position position makes absolute sense. If you've ever done martial arts, first thing you do if you're being attacked is you make space. Yeah. You take up space. Animals have been doing it for years. Puffer fish make themselves look big. I used to have barn owls, and they you know kick off with their wings out and feathers up, and they try and make themselves look bigger than they are. That yeah. makes perfect sense. But unless you're going to inflate pedestrians and get them to walk out in front of the cars, don't do it. Cool. So let's leave that there. Um, and let's look to the future slightly, just as we wrap up. Um, let's go to you first, Emma. I'm going to ask you two questions, and you can answer them as you deem appropriate. Firstly, what do you expect to see from 2022? And secondly, what would you want to see from 2022? Um, what I want is more personal growth, if I'm honest. Um, I think I spent a lot of time focusing on other people, um, making them happy and doing them rather than doing me. And um, yeah, I've had enough of that now, I think. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I'm learning is that the more I'm doing me, the more I'm helping other people anyway, ironically. Um, you know, I'm attracting more people who are like me which means that we kind of grow together um, and, and, and I'm able to leave behind the, you know, the, the trollers on, um, on the likes of Facebook or what have you. You know, that, 
I would have dwelled on that massively if somebody would give me a negative comment on something years ago. Well, even just this year. Um, but I'm letting that go now. I'm not. I'm not really bothered what people think unless I'm doing something that's you know damaging people or the world. Then they really don't have an opinion as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, from that perspective, from a work perspective, and what I'm hoping to see is some more growth in the driving school. Um, so that I can do less driving lessons, so that I can concentrate on other avenues of things that I want to do myself within the industry and without, without outside of it as well. So I've got a few things that I, I'm looking at in the book. Um, for learner drivers. Um, whereas this is a log book, this would be more of a um a reading type um information book um that focuses on the driver. He's focusing on them as the driver, not just on the control of the car and, and all the rest of it. Um, and then outside of the industry, um, I'm becoming quite intrigued by counselling therapy. So I'm, I'm going to be uh, looking down that avenue to do some training for myself down that region. I um. I love the answer, and I'll be stealing parts of the answer for when I come to give mine. Uh, but I'm going to throw over to you, Chris, and then see what I can steal from you. <laughs> um, I think that 2022 is going to be the year of the driving instructor um, in the industry. I don't think we've been the, uh, what is it they call it in like film and stuff? Is it the hero of the story? Um, you know, they had, they had, yeah. Um, when I was doing some filming work with cars, and um, that's me dodging a name drop. And uh, the, the, we had the hero car, which was the little yellow polo. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, it's a chance for, it's our, it's our story, always has been, but we haven't been able to feature in it. And I, and I just think, I think 2022 onwards, I, I, don't, I don't want to be restricted by the 300, however many days we're going to be allowed. Um, might be hopeful. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that, we're really coming into a position where we're going to have more strength and, and independence in what we do um, because there's recognition that actually, you know, everything Emma's just said, there's nothing stopping her from doing it, you know, that you, you can do that. It's okay to do that and we can all be different and, and I difference is just wicked. I, I love it. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's other bits that I'm planning you know, I'm sort of thinking I'd like to, to do that and, and I want that to be in there. I'm looking forward to the stuff that I don't know yet. So, you know, it doesn't help me answer a question like this because um, I've got a clue. I, I, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow each time. I like that. I might steal that as well. But what I'm going to say is that one thing I am expecting to happen in, in 20... 22, I think I'm getting these years right, um, is, and I'm going to kind of announce it now, because there's a wonderful collective of, of a couple of people that have created this amazing idea. It's an unofficial driving instructor day, uh, which is on March the 16th, so it's not really been promoted yet, but um, I think the premise behind it is to celebrate driving instructors, and it'll be annually, March the 16th, and it's the idea is that if you can take the day off, do it. Now, I fully appreciate that this year that might be tricky if you've got a test booked or you need to do a lesson or whatever, then, you know, but that might be a day to pencil in your diaries or maybe already pencil in your diaries, you know, go already, wink, wink. Um, the idea being take the day off, celebrate being an instructor, whether you get together with other instructors if possible, whether you just post some past pictures or share some stories online or whatever, and that's all going to be 
sort of facilitated through the driving instructor day, which will be on the unofficial driving instructor day because we won't be given one by the government. So the unofficial driving instructor day, which is March the 16th. And the reason why it was March the 16th is because that was the date of the first ever, and notice the word here, past driving test. Um, so, yeah, so that's something to look forward to in, in 2022. Uh, for me personally, I think I am going to steal a little bit from both of you. I, I'm focusing massively on personal development next year. Hugely, it's my biggest goal. I'm 40 years old next year. And uh, excuse my language, but it scares the fuck out of me. And I have set myself a little goal of next year of working with 40 different people to help me develop both personally and professionally in different ways. So it might be reading a book or it might be, you know, doing a long-term training with someone. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and then as well with Chris, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the unknown. You know, if you would have said to me this time last year, what I would have achieved this year, then that's, I wouldn't have accepted it. I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have acknowledged it. And I think that it, it's crazy. Uh, and just on a, a professional note, um, the Instructor Podcast will return in March, unless there's a lockdown, in which case I might bring it forward. But it will return for four months in March, then again return at the end of the year, August or December. Uh, a couple of goals around that. This year, I'm almost at 10,000 downloads. Almost. The goal is still to get 10,000 by the end of the year, and I'm almost there. It's going to be a touch and go, so we'll see. Uh, next year, I want to do 20,000. I want to double it, and I want to have 100 people on the Instructor Podcast Premium, which is going to be a huge challenge. But the more I can get people on there, the more I can then dedicate time to bring even better quality services over there. Uh, and then the last one I'm looking at, and this is kind of a, a resolution or a continued New Year's resolution, which is... I want to keep my faith in humanity because I think that we're really quick to dismiss people or look negatively on people assuming that people do the worst. And I think the only way I can put this in context is you look at certain governments who are reluctant to give out funding to people because they're scared that some people might get a bit too much or they might get something they don't need so they don't give out the right funding because of the certain people that will take it unnecessarily. I don't give a shit about the people that take it unnecessarily. I want to look after the people that need it. And that's where my brain is at now. I don't give a shit about the naysayers and negative people. I want to focus on the people that are positive and that actually care and want best for the industry. And if you look back through the history of this podcast, you look at the guests, including your good selves, you will see that's the people I focus on. And they're the people that I want to continue to champion and promote throughout 2022. Because that was always the goal of this podcast, to promote experts, leaders, innovators, and game changers. And you guys both definitely tick some of those boxes. So thank you both for joining me today. And I'm going to give you a moment just to promote yourself. So let's start with Emma. Uh, where can people find you? Is there anything you want to promote? Um, yeah, well, as a, as a driving school, obviously that's just local, it's up driving school. Um, and that's what goes to Merseyside way. And then um, as, as an individual, um, the author of the Learn and Drive Log book. So that can be found on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have... It's a, it's a website as well, um, which is learnedrivalogbook.co.uk, um, and it can be found on Amazon as well by just typing in the search bar um, or a local bookstore maybe sideway. So, yeah, hopefully that will be uh, on a few more bookshelves next year. That's that's the goal. Um, so it'll be, it'll be quite easy, hopefully, for people to find more local book. But as we all know, Amazon's probably the, uh, the easiest way to, to get these things. And yourself, Chris, where can people find you and what do you want to promote? Uh, the DITC.co.uk is always a, the best place to, to make contact. Um, and I, I just 
want people to be looking for the next thing and we aim to, to help people find it. So if you don't know what it is, get in touch. If you do know what it is and you can't find it, get in touch. Uh, if you've got it and you think that other people need it, get in touch. Um, and then, you know, we will happily sit in the middle of that and, and share the heck out of it. Um, and yeah, links for that will be in the show notes for this and they will when I eventually catch up with it, be on the website as well, theinstructorpodcast.com. And I will just mention just briefly on that, um, if you scroll, go to the show notes and scroll down all the way to the bottom, you will see the link for the ITC. And it's been on every single episode because it's something I believe in and something I champion as I do the Learner Driver logbook. So they will be in there as well. So I just want to take a moment again to thank you guys for joining me. It's It's been a brilliant way to wrap up the year. It's been an eventful year, definitely. And it's been fun scanning back over it. So thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Fabulous. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.